This is the A to Z podcast. We're back. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. At Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. Our sponsors are Cleveland Scene, the Honeymoon Grill, and American Fireworks. We're bringing on board our new sponsor, Cleveland Whiskey, sponsor of our Obscure Browns Player of the Week segment that we'll get to. First of all, good morning, Andre. Good morning. How are you today, Zach? I'm okay. Um, you know, my life is usually a disaster. It's it's right around par for the course there. Um, but we, I'm glad we are back on the same time zone. Uh, I heard baseball yes. season still going on. Can you confirm that? Yeah, man. We still got 15 games left. <laughs> 15. Okay. Not that I'm counting or anything. Uh, it's been quite a week. Um, but we, we have fun here. We don't follow a script. Um, we get excited, and we occasionally – venture into mature slash immature subjects and say four letter words. So if that's not for you, uh, find another podcast or come back if there's, when there's not kids around, if you're not a work environment or put your headphones on. Uh, well, I just signed a new, I just signed a new contract with another company. So I'll be on my best behavior for at least today. Cause that's probably the day that was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're off to an interesting start. Um, no, well, we have to, because let's, let's, Let's be adults first and foremost. Is that okay? Yeah. We we apologize. Let me say a couple of things. We apologize. Look, during Brown season, after Browns games, I hope, and I've even talked to Zach about this off. Um, I hope that within 24, 48 hours after a game, we can somehow get together. With me being on the West Coast last week, that was difficult. And then with what we're going to talk about, uh, made things a little difficult. But that's my plan for us to try to give you two a week during football season. Uh, not that football season is more important than any other season. We just love football. Um, and the basis of this podcast came together with Zach and I uh, on planes and on buses with the Browns some 10, you know, 12 years ago. So we will try to our best to do that for you. Uh, hopefully today you guys will have the patience. and Hopefully we have the time to give you everything we want to give you today. Um, and it's probably a better thing that we're doing this podcast, what, four or five days after the Browns laid the egg of all eggs uh, last Sunday. Um, but first, let's just start with the human nature part of this podcast and the human nature of what's going on um, in all of our lives. I, I think this has been one of those weeks. Um, and I'll be honest about something. I lost one of my best friends um, my first semester of college at Kent State. Uh, one of my best friends was at 18 years old a week before Christmas uh, left this earth, left this earth and my life has never been the same. And I don't, and we all deal with death and losing people differently. Um, and I got to tell you guys at 41 years old, I still haven't figured it out. It's a very difficult task for me um, because it, it just is. And we lost Fred McLeod a couple of days ago. I was out in the West coast. Fred McLeod obviously was the voice of the Cavaliers um, for over a decade. Uh, we worked at the same company um, but we, it, it, we work in the same company, but obviously it's like one works night shift, one works day shift, but I'll give Fred McLeod credit for this and Beth McLeod credit for this, despite working at the same company and always being on different shifts and never really working together. Um, Fred went out of his way, unlike many other people within the Fox sports, um, household that I work in, that he went out of his way to, to acknowledge you, to see you, um, to, to shake your hand, to to acknowledge the work you were doing. He was a leader. He would come to spring training with Beth if the, if the Cavs were, you know, taking on the Suns or they had a couple extra days. He would come out um, to spring training and he would come out and see us. He would come out and see me and sit down and talk to me and ask me how life was. And he sat with my wife at a dinner a couple of years ago, him and Beth, and they were tremendously just awesome to them. They weren't one of those people that sit there and just tell you all about themselves. 
Uh, my wife was blown away because all Fred did was for two hours at the Cleveland Sports Awards show, as I was emceeing it, was just talk about us and our family. Um, so this is hard. I'm going to be completely honest. It's really hard. Not that I was best friends with Fred, um, but I appreciated how Fred, when I did see Fred, how Fred respected me and how he treated me um, and how he went about his business. And I just happened to have a day where, honestly, between you and, the, you and Isaac, I didn't even tell you completely. Obviously, we were out in California. Um, I do my best, and this isn't making myself better than who I am because I'm not. But I try, no matter if I'm on the West Coast, East Coast, wherever, I try to talk to my kids and FaceTime my kids before they go to school in the morning. And obviously, with me being three hours behind all week long, I had to wake up at 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning to talk to my kids and FaceTime them before they left for school. Um, and that meant no matter how late, late I was up, that doesn't mean that doesn't, cause I was, doesn't matter. No matter what I went out and did, I, I, you know, whether I had two hours of sleep or no sleep, I got up and talked to my kids every morning. And then the day that he, that he perished, um, I got done talking to my kids. I texted my wife. I laid my phone down and had set my clock for a couple hours after that, because I told myself I was going to try to get up and podcast and my phone wouldn't stop ringing. And it was five and it was five fifteen, five thirty in the morning. West Coast time. Um, and that scared me because at first I figured it was just my jackass friends being jackasses, sending me memes and sending me texts and sending me stuff off the internet that I could laugh at in three or four hours after I actually napped. And I got to tell you, I probably went about 28 hours without sleeping because when I woke up and fi- when I finally rolled over and looked at my phone to see what people were texting me and what was going on, um, I was crushed. It wasn't what I expected. And, um, Cavs season won't be the same. Just, you know, our, our, not that I go to our Christmas parties, but the Christmas parties won't be the same. Um, and I just know that this is something that affects all of us. So my prayers and thoughts and however you, you go about this, they go to the McLeod family because he was a legitimate, um, he was a legitimate guy that was, that, that went out and went above and beyond um, to not only do his job well, but to be a halfway decent person. And to me in this day and age, that means a lot. Yeah, I um, I was stunned, crushed. Um, I didn't know Fred well. We did work together directly a little bit, but mostly a long time ago. But I could tell uh, people that without a doubt then, when I was really young and showing up, uh, now when it was you know maybe once a year or twice a year that our paths would cross, always friendly, always out of his way to say he's been following your work or uh, you know, ask a question like he was the new guy around, right? Um, just a just a really good guy. And two things that reinforced this week, Dre. Uh, you know, outside just the raw emotion, the holy hell of it. Yeah. Um, you know, one that's that's what you've heard from everyone, right? Who came across his path is Fred was always nice to me. Fred always went out of his way to make feel like I mattered when he was kind of the star in the room a lot of times, right? Right, and then the right. second thing to me that, uh, and we sometimes forget this, you know, he was just so passionate about his job and we're, we're fortunate to have the jobs that we have. Um, no matter what job you have, if you really like it, if you're really into it, you're winning, right? Um, you're better right. at it. But it, just the outpouring from every corner, um, you know, first of all, anybody that can unite Twitter is is a little bit of a miracle worker. But sports really do matter here. That's cliche, but it's not, right? There, There is a connection here from fans to teams, from dad to son, you know, from uh, per, per consumer and fan to writer, broadcaster. Um, 
that's that's deeper than it is in a lot of places that it's special and for people to be able to relate and i'm not just talking about june 2016 here right there's so many instant memories of fred where people draw that to i watched these games with my mom when she was sick i was there you know one day with my dad with my brother and we met fred before the game you know and that's a really cool thing and just a little bit of a of a positive something that makes you feel good in such an awful week um the browns also had an unimaginable tragedy this week with the girlfriend of chris smith uh the details on that are horrific i can tell you i don't know chris smith um outside of a professional locker room relationship but he is friendly he is hilarious he is well liked by the players by the ball boys by the media um he's an important guy on the team uh you know he's he's an experienced guy he's a versatile guy and he's not miles garrett not many are uh but he plays two three spots and and you know when they brought him here last year i thought he had a really important role in kind of helping miles and larry start to take that next step kind of just being a guy in a young who's who's seen he's an adult right yeah he was an adult a lot yeah right and i just can't imagine um you know what Wednesday and Thursday are like for all these guys because they really liked. It's not just that your teammate, um, you know, is going through something. It's that they really like Chris, and he's. Uh, I, I really do too. I'm crushed. There's only so much you can say. Um, I don't. It really is unfathomable. So, well, I don't want to cut you off, but I no, hope I, I'm done. I hope that this. I, hope, I, I well, I just hope what this week does. And you guys know, you know, this podcast. I hope what you guys take in, and, and I always say this about athletes. I didn't know Chris Smith. Um, but my wife and I cried on the phone about the Christmas. Like, it, it, I'm not look. I'm not begging for a pity party. Um, it's tough. I got a great life. It's tough to live on the road. It's tough to move around. It's tough to see these things. We all have other things going on in our lives. But if you've been, a, and I'm not saying you don't have to be a parent to go through this. Um, my heart, I'm, I'm damn near tears right now because I couldn't imagine a month into one of my children being born losing their mom. Um, and just losing the way they lost their mom. And I always say this to you guys, and, and I say this in tweets, I say this in, in conversation, those guys that put those helmets on and those uniforms on and, and, and entertain you um, and make you guys throw beer on people and make you guys yell and cuss and make you toughest guys on Twitter, uh, tougher than you've ever been in your real life, the guys that make you cry when they win championships, the guys that, that, that take you through every emotional stage that we go through with sports, and God, we love them. Those are human beings in there. They're going through stuff just like the rest of us. And if this situation with Chris Smith doesn't open your eyes to these are normal people that have all the same issues we have. They just happen to make like a couple more dollars than you. They happen to just be, you know, given God given talent and had the, the work, the work ethic and everything else to get there. These are real people, man. Um, I hope that we can take the time out to, to see that and not just care about our freaking fantasy football team. Even though, as you guys know, the three three zero boys are one to zero already, but that's that's to be <laughs> yeah, you know that's, we, that's part of the deal. And let's talk about something that's really important, like football, right? Uh, right. Well, let me. Well, I'll say one more thing, and then we'll <laughs> we'll get off the serious part of this. Um, they're real people, guys and girls. Um, they got real lives. They got a lot of crap going on, just like you do. So before you want to be a smart ass, or before you want to tell somebody how they should be doing something, let's just categorize this the right way, please. Words are awesome. They're the best. They really are. But these are real people going through real 
um, people's situations. And my, they don't have to be Chris Smith's situation to be a tough situation. Um, I happen, just happen, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, I just happened while we were in L.A. Um, my camera guy, Mitch Haddon, who is the best in the business, um, he was also the camera guy with the Cavs when they won the championship, went to the White House with the Cavs. Um, when they, you know, he, He's been a part of the he, – he did Cavs games for the last six, seven years. He's been with me all this season. And he just happened because we were off last Tuesday. It was a YouTube game. We made dinner reservations. He, he, he's, he's a little eccentric. He's a little different, but he's phenomenal at his job. He's one of the best people I've ever worked with in my life. And he had his restaurant in LA that he was told me he was like best restaurant I've ever been to. My girlfriend and I went and I was like, so I try to be a good friend and I go, well, we're off on Tuesday. You say it's the best restaurant you've ever been to. I take your word on it, Mitch. Let's go. So he made dinner reservations and he just happened to make dinner reservations with Allie Clifton, who used to do sideline for the Cavs. I'm listening. So the day that, so the day that Fred passed away, um, I ended up at dinner with Allie and Mitch, who both worked with Fred um, for many years, won a championship with him. And I don't know what you got. And I don't want to dig all deep into all that other stuff, but I, sometimes people are put together and people are put in places for certain reasons. Um, and what I believe in, we were all put in the same room together in LA to have dinner together. And I don't know if I would have got through the week without having dinner with Allie and having Mitch. And it wasn't more about me. It was about them. They were able to have their conversations, to have their, the things that they deal with, but it helped me deal with it. And it made me appreciate working with all the great people I work with day in and day out. And even a couple of jackasses that I work with that I can't stand. Sorry. Sorry, Zach. You, you fit one of those categories, <laughs> but I hope Allie and I, I shout out to Allie. She was, she was great to see the restaurant was great. Shout out to Mitch. Um, and hopefully we all can take this weekend to give our time to say thank you to Fred for what he did to us, um, did for us and did for this city um, and be there for Beth. Beth is a wonderful person um, that we will still see on television. I'm pretty sure doing the, the trap, doing weather, uh, I believe for Fox eight, another place I work with now, if you haven't seen the announcement. <laughs> I got two. You can't get one. Ah, <laughs> 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 And that brings him a dot. All right. Time for the A to Z podcast. We love you. Our thoughts and prayers with the Chris Smith family. Our thoughts and prayers are with Fred McLeod's family um, in all seriousness. Um, but um, let's talk. Where do you want to? You, you know what? Right, we'll we'll do the let's baseball start, minute. Um, let's let's do the baseball minute, and then let's and then kill him with football. Yeah, the and, way we and let's make it let's make it clear um, that this is Friday morning. So some some will hear this Friday afternoon. Some might not listen until the Browns game Monday. Obviously, we're uh, nine hours away from the Indians kicking off what's suddenly a really huge series again. So put that in big context. biggest yes biggest weekend of the year. We will review. We'll review the Browns debacle, and we'll preview Monday Night Football. Dun, 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 dun. Last time you covered Monday Night Football in New York, dudes were shopping at three o'clock in the afternoon, not giving a shit about football. We'll get to that. You just said to the Indians, biggest uh, series of the year. Fifteen games left in the season. Fifteen games to. I, I said on the radio today um, that I think we'll September 29th is the last day of the baseball season, but I got a feeling we'll be playing on September 30th just because it's one of those years uh, where it may take 163 games to figure out um, who, what, where, and when. We have James Karinchek coming up. He's like, could be one of the next – I don't want to go too far, too too big with this, but he's got a chance to be the next Jarrett Wright as a relief pitcher. 
um, for the, my point is he's got a chance to be that, that, that rising star that comes out of nowhere that you fall in love with over the next 15, 16 days. Kid throws up to 98, 99 miles an hour, has a devastating curveball, strikes out everybody or walks them, um, has a chance to be a key piece to the Indians making it into the playoffs. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I hate – I take stuff – for. I, I hate how the Indians are looked at in this city for whatever reason. I wish they got the same excitement and respect um, that the Browns get. Um, this year, Terry Francona should quit after these next 16, 17 games and just go right to Cooperstown and wait for him to put a plaque up. If everybody truly knew everything that what this team has been through. To be three and a half games out with 15 to go, to be a half game out of both wild card spots, considering Aaron Savali was a name I didn't know three months ago. Hell, I didn't know four months ago. I didn't know him in spring training. Um, Zach Plesak, I knew who his uncle was. Um, we've got guys in the lineup. That, I mean, look at the opening day lineup. If you really want to get, if you really want to see where this team has come, they're going to end up winning 93, 94 games, which is unbelievable. And any other year, you would say they're going to walk into the playoffs. But this weekend, these next three days, um, I don't tell you what to take your ass to the ballpark. If you can't get like you're not a baseball town, if you can't get excited to have two teams. There are three games that have three games of P and I don't know if they're going to win the central. I'm going to be honest. They're going to have to go two out of three. They're probably going to have to sweep. Here's one of my notes that I actually have written down for tonight's game. Cause I actually don't sleep and just work all the time, but this is a true note that I took. You talk a lot too, but go ahead. <laughs> hey man, they pay me by the word. It's amazing. Ain't it? You should, I, I'd talk in my sleep. If you give me a check, uh, <laughs> The, Indian, the Twins have four fewer losses than Cleveland with 16 games to play. After this weekend, the Twins will have 13 games against the Chicago White Sox, the Kansas City Royals, and Detroit. Yeah. My point is the Indians have to sweep, and then they got to keep kicking ass against Philadelphia, Chicago, as well as the Washington Nationals. The Indian schedule, in my opinion, is eight times harder than the Twins. Yeah, that's brutal. But – if they can walk out of here a half game behind the twins and put pressure on them, anything can happen. The twins have injuries coming out of the ass. Sano has been hurt. He's supposed to come back tonight. Kepler has been hurt. He's supposed to come back tonight. Their pitchers are all down. Um, there's a crease. The, the Indians have to hit it. Um, I don't know if they can. I, they've got Bieber and, 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 and Clevenger going Saturday and Sunday. Um, this should be a fun weekend, though. And what better weekend to, to take you right into Monday Night Football? Question about uh, Aaron Savali. Yes. Uh, what kind of watch does he wear when he pitches? <laughs> <laughs> he would kick a guy's ass for wearing a watch while he pitches. All right, we'll get into the theater of the absurd and See, absurdly no, disappointing. But you know what? Um, you bring that up, and you're going to get me going, and I don't want to get going on that. Just, I all mean, right. So, hey, the, the I, I want to tell you guys Indian, two things. Go ahead. So, we, we do a segment here sponsored by our friends at American Fireworks called Glory Days where we tell an old Brown story, an old Indian story, an old Andre Knott and JV football story, whatever it can be, right? Um, and really for the last couple of days, I kind of racked my brain, you know, trying to draw a correlation. The Indians don't play the Jets or the Browns don't play the Jets all the time. <laughs> Browns obviously don't play on Monday Night Football all the time. This is the second time this decade that <laughs> this is going to happen. Um and then when we finally were able to get together this morning and we were just kind of talking through things as we were plugging in, Dre was like, you know, obviously we want to do this early in the week. He's like, but that was so bad that 
it's probably good that we waited till Friday to process it where we can mm-hmm. just kind of touch on it and move ahead. And I said, exactly right. So as I, I present this to you, to you, Andre, and to you guys listening in this realm, as we play American fireworks, glory days, if you think in the realm of 21 years of Browns openers and how embarrassingly bad, how one 19 and one is the most uniquely pathetic record in all of sports how you could take this team with this talent level and this level of expectation and put it in the top three or bottom three amongst the rest oh boy the only thing you can say is there's absolutely nowhere to go but up um i hope i really hope um because i think the one thing you just hit on it it's every you need you always talk about the jimmies and joes right Mm mm-hmm and and they got them and look like if you don't and, and this is a correlation I'll make and I know and I'm not I think and I almost use the word I'd never ever ever use in this podcast I think it's really uh childish to the Indians Twitter Browns Twitter bullshit that you always see you know like like I don't see it I, 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 like yeah you 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 block everybody and and, and get drunk on freaking seltzer water um (laughs) (laughs) he didn't even fight it man he's a beaten man everybody we're we're a week into the football season fair (laughs) no and i'm saying and and right and i don't even care anymore the people that bitch bitch and i got them probably blocked anyway but there is something about okay what do you what do the what do the Patriots have other than a coach that's the till of the hunt? Like what do like what do the Patriots have year in and year out? They like they have what? Uh, cheaters. Okay. <laughs> Criminals. They have a yes. All right. What do they, okay? Yes. What do the Steelers have? What makes the Steelers organization like they have? Some, they're, they're they're built upon something, they have, right? They, they have a culture. Yeah. Culture. Thank you. Ding 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 ding. Okay, the Indians as an organization, they just their Triple A team just won the Governor's Cup. Who cares? The Double A team. Columbus. Here we go. Yeah. Hey, shout out, shout out to Columbus. I'm getting to something. The Akron, the Akron Rubber uh, Ducks won a couple years ago. Columbus has been in the Governor's Cup, been in this for a few years. The Indians now for a few years have been a playoff team or a winning team. They have a culture, people. Aaron Savali can come up and because he has nothing to, he didn't do anything with the Indians. Shane Bieber two years ago had never pitched for the big league team. And that's all the way through spring training. But there is a culture that is a struck that is structured amongst the Indians that, that, you know, that when you're in the system, when you go to the system, there's certain ways you have to carry yourself. There's certain ways that you have to show up. There's certain ways that you will respect what came before you. I don't know if the Cleveland Browns still have figured that part out. And I've tried to quietly say that without being disrespectful to the excitement that's here, not being disrespectful to the talent that's here, but it's a reality people, no matter what you do, if your culture isn't built right and your culture isn't set right, you're, 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 you're not going to win at a, at a clip that's going to keep you going. And I use, I use the Indians as an example because they have okay, they haven't won in the world. I won a World Series. I, and I, whatever people want to come at me with, that's fine. But there is a culture and there's a standard that you must live up to, whether it's the Steelers, whether it's the Patriots, whether it's the Indians. 
whether it's the Golden State Warriors, whether it was the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't know what their culture was because it was bad. But they just they out talented it. That's a whole different story. Zach, what is the culture of the Cleveland Browns right now? Um, <laughs> you're there every day. I'm not there every day. What is I, like? And I want and like. And this doesn't mean they're not going to win Monday night. This doesn't mean they can't win ten games still. But they damn sure better build a culture. They damn sure sure need to build. Rather than trying to sell bobbleheads of Bernie Kosar during, they have to build a culture. They have to have a standard that they live by. Correct. And the standard can't be 18 fucking penalties on an opening day. Correct. Um, it can't be. We can't be more worried about what what you're wearing and what your car looks like and all that other bullshit. The standard has to be more than that. Your culture is who you are and what you are when no one is looking. When no one is paying attention, what are you working on? Are you working on your touchdown dance that you're going to fucking put together if you happen to score when you're down 30? Or are you working on are you working on actually being a functional group and finding something that helps you win? It's a great question. You wonder if they practiced last week by the by what you saw, right? <laughs> and I know they did. And I know they did. And I like Freddie. And I said to you when they went to Indianapolis and Freddie wanted to be the biggest bully that Terra Hot has ever seen, right? He wanted to be the biggest. Is they, they still go to Terry Hot? Is that still where they no, go in Indianapolis? No, but go ahead. You're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be where they say that was where it used to be, though, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, that's where remember, the Colts said for Ed training camp a million years ago. <laughs> hey, I'm old, motherfucker. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. I'm, I'm, I'm cultured. Uh, <laughs> um, but when they went to Indianapolis, I remember talking to you, and, we, and you were like, hey, today's going to be a day. And I, and I remember the Indianapolis people were like, really? This, this coach from Alabama is going to come in here, and just and just, they're not going to respect anybody, and they're just going to fight everybody, and he's going to applaud them? And I remember saying to you, it was like, I was like, I get it. I go, I know you want to be the toughest guy. You want to be the toughest guy on the block. You want to be the tough guy. But where is your culture? Well, right. can, you, can you hold your water when it matters? And they didn't hold their water when it mattered in the first game of the season. Yeah, I mean, remember there there was a lot of angst and a lot of proclaiming about winning a practice in mid in mid August, and that's that's dangerous. Um, look, I mean this, guys. It was just one game, and we've seen in the NFL that sometimes it goes really bad, and that's fine because they all count the same in the L column, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I think this team did need a reality check. You use an interesting word when you talked about respect there, Dre. There is precedent in this league for teams coming out of nowhere, worst to first, right? And we know the Browns were so bad for so long that seven wins, and specifically five out of seven last year, felt felt great. And, and it did position this team uh, to where <clears throat> I, I've been saying all along, I think a play, the playoffs is a fair expectation, and the season is not over. However, fans, players, coaches, everyone involved here, you have to respect – this, the middle steps, not just one that you have to take. The Titans are nine and seven for three years in a row. Marcus Mariota's not beaten anybody. They changed coaches in the middle of that. They have about six recognizable players if they were walking down the airport, right? Maybe, not, maybe not even that. Mm-hmm. Right? Shit, they dra- they drafted a Matt kid number five in the draft. Nobody knows who Kevin right. Byron is. Nobody knows who Logan Ryan is. Right? Well, everybody knows now because he's been a whiny bitch all week. But um, it's just. You have to have respect for how hard it is to win a game in this league. And I don't think the Browns or much of the fan base did. I really don't. And, and as I said on 
other places, if you're going to pick 11 and five or 12 and four, or if you're going to declare yourself ready to go play with the big boys, you have to respect the, the potential for the hangover if it doesn't work. Right. And, and it's right, not over. Right. And they had, they're getting it. They're getting a break uh, here this week with, with Sam Darnold and a banged up jets team. And we'll see. So I honestly think that a big old piece of humble pie can serve them well going forward. I still see talent. Uh, I am alarmed that of the issues that have come to the forefront, some which can be changed by X's and O's, some can which be changed by changing players, some which you can't change, and every team has shortcomings, even the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Come to If the maturity piece comes to the forefront and, and the discipline piece comes to the forefront, those are things that can hold you back a lot more than a kicker can or a, a questionable right guard or something like that can, right? This is yeah. big – to quote my friend Peaches, this is big boy shit. And you're either ready <laughs> physically, mentally, with your life, with your jewelry, with what you are to play with the big boys, or you're not. We'll see. Well, they, they can still win a lot of games. And, and, and like you said, it's one game. And everybody, look, we've all been in that time in life where we needed to be taken down a peg, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's playing video games, whether it's drinking hard seltzer water. Uh, when you're out in the water and, and you and it hits you that I, you know what I may embarrass myself in front of all these people in this boat that's not mine, but I'm gonna claim it's mine. Uh, we all need those moments and times where we get knocked down a peg. Um, and I think for Freddie, who I think we all like, I think it, it's hard not to like Freddie, right? I mean, Freddie's quote: "My wife and I went out for dinner, um, in my glorious life. We had our anniversary last week, but we celebrated it last night because I wasn't in town." And somehow I brought up the quote from Freddie talking about Chris Smith and balance in life last night. And my wife and I, pl- I played it for my wife when we talked about it. Um, balance in life. Like, I don't know if you, I, you could probably tell it better than I could, I think, since you cover him. But Freddie had this unbelievable quote about, you know, finding balance in life. And he felt like Chris Smith had balance in life, but they're going to be there to help him, you know, balance his life out while he goes through the tragedy that he's going through right now. And as he said that, I looked at Jen and I was like, God, this is a great quote. This is a quote that you should, you know, that we, I would want my kids to hear as they get older. But then I thought about it and I was like, but it's a quote that Freddie needs to hear as well about coaching this team right now. Um, Cause here's what jumped out to me and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, we know who's on the outside. We know who knows what time it is during the game. And I'm not talking about on the, on the, on a game clock. I'm talking about the actual fucking time. Uh, in the world, because um, he's got to watch on. That's a, that's a whole separate bit. But I felt like for all the stars they have, Zach, um, and, and what was the quote? And you you remember this quote better than I. But our guy Phil Savage had the quote about what when he drafted Joe Thomas. Do you remember his quote of why he drafted Joe Thomas? Mm. About the meat about the meat and potatoes and not getting the dessert to start things off. I think what he remember wanted he to say like, is, have you seen Brady Quinn play? <laughs> <laughs> no, what he wanted to say is yes, meat potatoes. Pick, yes, yes, yeah. The first because his first pick was Braylon Edwards, and he was basically saying, you don't start with a he dessert. learned his, right. bang, bingo. He was basically saying you don't start with your dessert; you start with the meat and potatoes, and you build from there. And that was what he said after he drafted Joe Thomas, who base who looks so different now. By the way, damn Joe, he lost all that weight, cut all his hair off. Um, I the offensive line scares the hell out of me, and that's not going to change tomorrow or tonight, right? That can't change now. Mm-hmm. That's scary. But here's the thing, and I may be wrong, 
And I know I was long-winded getting here. I'm sorry. I haven't talked to you in a long time. It's not you guys. I was just excited to talk to Zach finally. I worry that Baker Mayfield wasn't the Baker Mayfield that everybody fell in love with last year. To me, he was constantly looking to get the ball downfield. A couple of the interceptions, and, and score plays into this. So I'm not sitting here saying he's sophomore slump. I don't, want, don't be extreme with me when you listen to me. But just be practical when you listen to what I'm saying. I get concerned when I see a quarterback that was very good, and we made all those jokes about Colt McCoy and every other limp quarterback that the Browns have had, that they were to check down, you know, to check down Chiefs, you know, all the guys that would just check the ball down. I, and I look, I didn't see every single pass thrown by Baker last week, but Zach, he looked like a guy that was trying to force a lot of stuff, and I never saw that in Baker last year. I always felt like he was a guy that took what was there, whether it was a three-yard check down, to Chubb or whether it was a five-yard pass to his tight end, whether it was a 15-yard out. I just felt like at times that a lot of stuff was forced and the ball was held way longer than it needed to be. Now, that's just one game, and that goes back to getting timing down and not playing with guys in, in, in the spring and not playing with guys in preseason games. But there's something I'm going to watch early Monday night. Will he take what is given to him? I agree, and I also agree that game circumstances had a lot to do with that. The Titans took away his first read, right? Um, that's what the good end, that, uh, Hello, that's what's going to happen in the NFL all year long. Yeah, that's well, and, right, and, and by the end, the Titans had him seeing ghosts, right? Um, right. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I'm more concerned that he wanted to dance while losing because that's not Baker, right? I mean, he'll rub your nose in it right. when he's winning. Uh, but no, right. He missed a couple that he doesn't normally miss. He had some opportunities just taken away by by guys crunching him before he could get through. Um, it was not good all the way around. I don't think I don't think the offensive continuity from the coaching to the timing to the accuracy, all the things that were there last year were not there. Is that perfectly understandable on some level? Yes. Uh, is it super disappointing given that you're plugging a guy – a talent like Beckham into this offense. And, and look, let's be honest, um, losing Richard Higgins hurts this offense. He's a very valuable yeah, player. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. It, it was one of those days, and it's going to happen, and it happens to almost everybody. Uh, but I would agree with you in that eventually the Browns have to build an offense where the ball comes out quickly and confidently to set up things down the field to keep the rushers from getting there and obscuring his vision or blasting him, certainly the way that they did. Um, and, you know, you you need time to do that. You need a run game to help with that because Baker's really good off play action. He kind of hides back there, right, and then he, he whips it. Um, he had some first down passes just not get caught flat out. Uh, Odell pushes off like he has 99 times in his career, and it's like the second time it's ever been called, right? Um I think that was at a point where the game had gotten away. The, the game got away from the Browns really in almost all three phases. Uh, and and the Titans. Repeat repeat that. Repeat what you just said. The, the game got away in, in, in all three phases. And the all Titans, three phases. The Titans That's who scary. were so much better prepared and so much mm-hmm. more disciplined. Um, mm-hmm. We're baiting the Browns. Shout out, wait, wait. Shout out Mike Vrabel, 3-3-0. I may have missed it. I was out of town. You did. You know what? I can. Can I do a throwback story real quick? Yeah. Keep where you're at. Go ahead. Do, give us, go ahead and shoot out the fireworks. Do all that good American stuff. American fireworks. We love the people that are days. Bang, bang, bang. I may have told this story before, but I think it's a great time to tell it because this bothered me last week. 
And this is uh, and this is no hint at everybody else. I know it was a big week for the Browns, and I know it was opening weekend, and I know they're going to the Super Bowl, and you guys are already preparing a parade. But why did Mike Vrabel get any love coming back home? My man grew up in Stowe, Ohio, went to Washington Jesuit, became Defensive Player of the Year way back in 1992, and he dominated a little kid named Andre Knott on the field of Green Street Stadium back my freshman year, his senior year. I'm coming out. Cameron Pooler, shout out, who I love, who was a great person to me, taught me the running back game at St. V. was a running back for St. V my freshman year. He had a scholarship to Rhode Island, ended up going to Rhode Island. He's got a beautiful family now, lives in Ravenna, uh, and we still are friends. It's one of the best things that's happened in my life is that people like that that helped me at 15, 16 are now my friends at 41, or at the year, at age of 41. But Cam was a super-duper running back, 1,000-yard running back, that I knew I wasn't going to play over. So because I had a decent freshman year, um, after about my fifth freshman freshman football game, Johnson Stone said, you're never going to play freshman football again. So he turned me into a wide receiver for the last, like, three or four varsity games my freshman year. And at St. V, and this isn't bragging, I don't have to. I've already made it to the Sports Hall of Fame there. They don't play a lot of freshmen on the varsity football team. Now they do because, well, there's no rules in high school. So they put me a wide receiver. And my role was basically, you know, I only played like 15 snaps a game. But as, as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old freshman, that was that was everything, shit. Um, I was trying to get that Letterman's jacket so I could get me a girl, you know, and it comes baseball season. So <laughs> the second play of the game, the coach calls the plays, and I would run it into our quarterback because our quarterback also played linebacker at the time. And if you know how linebackers played then, I couldn't remember the plays. So I would run the play in and run it back out, and I was playing like the X the X spot. So I get the play, I run it to our quarterback, I tell him, and I'm not, and I'm too young, dumb, and stupid to, to even calculate what was being asked of me as I'm running the play in. I'm just excited, I'm getting ready to play. So I line up at wide receiver, and Mike Vrabel, who's this stand-up defensive end, outside linebacker, he's this is how smart he was at 17 years old. I start coming in motion, and he turned and looked at me and goes, you little bitch, you try to cut me, I'm going to fuck you up. And I literally, in my yellow pants, my St. V pants, you probably was a line of urine that went down my left leg because it became the scariest moment of my entire life because I was coming in motion, and Mike Vrabel knew that when I came in motion the way I was coming in motion, there was going to be a, be a pitch that way, and my job was to cut him. And by this moment, after he just yelled at me and made me pee down my leg, I couldn't stop. I couldn't call timeout. My job was to cut him. So I went to cut him, and he took his six foot four, two 230 pounds or whatever he had, and he took his forearm and put it into the back of my neck. And I think I was able to see, like, underneath the ground because then he put his knee into my back, stepped on me, made the tackle for a three-yard loss, turned and looked at me and said, they better get a real fucking man out here. You're going to try to block me like that, you little bitch. <laughs> so, shout out to Mike Brable. <laughs> shout out. Why did no one give him more love than maybe you guys did? But Mike Brable is one of us, people. He is a 3 3 er I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. If you know anything about the Brable family, you know anything about Mike Brable and what he's come from and where he went in college, who he coached under, I am not surprised in one phase and I was I was pissed that people were were leaving them short last week. He's a Belichick guy. He's a Bill Cower guy. He's a Jim Trussell guy. Did you really think he was gonna show up and not have his team prepared? Well I think all of us that grew up in Northeast Ohio remember when Walsh Jesuit had football. Those were the days. Um Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, uh 
you know, Kerry Combs is on his staff, the mad scientist defensive uh, backs coach. Mm-hmm. Dean Pease is on his staff who's been around forever. Uh, they just know what they're doing. And um, <laughs> look, the, the Browns, it, this is the theme going forward. The Browns have plenty of chances to show us they know what they're doing. And if they figure those things out, the talent is in place. The season is not over. But we're going to need to see some real progress over these next few weeks to believe that the Browns are mature enough to handle the on and off field aspect of coming that comes with playing with the big boys. Correct. Correct. No doubt. Can I ask okay, you a question? So, um, you know, we're going to introduce this segment and, and we did this a little bit a long time ago. Never stuck with it. I know I'm the ADD poster child of 40 years old. Um, our obscure Browns player of the week. We, we both used to travel with the Browns, um, be on the inside of the Browns to an extent. We know a lot of these guys. And so <laughs> when our friends from Cleveland Whiskey reached out and said we'd like to get involved with the podcast, you know, is there a new segment or something we can bust out? We decided we wanted to do this. So uh, if you don't know about Cleveland Whiskey, uh, pretty new company. But they make a good product, and this make is a big a great time of year for them because they want you yes. to introduce Cleveland whiskey at your tailgates, at your Ohio State parties, at your Monday night Browns watch party. And so um, look them up on Instagram, on Twitter, and get on board with that. But let's go back. Um, you know, Braylon does not count as an obscure player. He certainly was not. <laughs> and He's, a, he's one, obscure in life now. One thing I think is really <laughs> funny is, is my book comes out and, and tells – in, in four weeks and tells some Braylon stories. Braylon just released an autobiography through the same publishing company. Did I tell you that? <laughs> no, really? Yeah. So the other night uh, I, got, I got home late. I went to a football game far away with some friends and ESPN radio at like one in the morning. Uh, Braylon was on there talking about his book and I had quite a chuckle. But of all the ones I'd rather read your book than his. Yeah. Because I'm friends with you. Thank you. Um, of all the ones we've told you about of his dramatics and his helicopter and his writing tape on his wrists and all that, my favorite one, this must've been mini camp in 08. Um, yeah. Cause he kind of established himself and Chud was, Chud was still there. Cause Chud was new on the scene for the second time in right. 07. So <laughs> anyway, they're in mini camp. All you're doing is installing basic concepts and, and getting guys, you know, used reacclimated or used to where they're supposed to be. So if they say practice starts at 2, I mean, guys are on the field at 135, 140. And, and not just stretching out and dicking around. There's, there's walk-through periods that you go through. So I'll never forget Chud just kind of looking around and looking around. And all of a sudden, here comes Braille and tried it out. Perfect tape, right? Not a watch, but uh, I don't know. He probably <laughs> wanted to wear one, right? Everything looking perfect. And Chud just loses it. And, again, this is minicamp in May, and he just loses it. Why in the fuck are you the last fucking person on the fucking field every single fucking day? We're fucking trying to fucking install something, and I don't ever fucking know if you're fucking here. And I left out about 20 of them, right? And it was just all <laughs> time. So Berlin was who he was. And then the next year, uh, Eric Mangini came in, and he just couldn't do this. So as we spin this forward to the Jets, uh, Eric Mangini first made the famous trade to get uh, to trade out of a top five extremely valuable pick for the likes of Brett Ratliff and Abe Elam. <laughs> and God bless him. Brett good Ratliff! Guy. Played at Kent State. Uh. Really good human. Still involved with football, I think. Uh, no offense there, but that's not a trade you make for involving a top five pick. Well, later that year, they were done with Braylon, right? And so they traded him for a package that included Chancey Stuckey and Jason Trusnick. So Jason Trusnick, <laughs> who I last, who played at Ohio Northern, 
who I last yeah. heard was coaching youth football in Brunswick. Congratulations yeah. to you, Jason, as we reinstate the Cleveland Whiskey Obscure Browns Player of the Week. It's you. What a lifetime achievement this must be for Mr. Trusnick. And to play along with Cleveland Whiskey, you could see Jason Trusnick this weekend at Progressive Field, uh, especially Sunday when kids will run the bases. I know this because I see Jason Trusnick running the bases with his kids almost every Sunday. Still comes to, still comes to Browns games. I believe he has a workout facility in Nordonia that he's still using as well and that he works with. Jason was a tremendous guy, tremendous linebacker that could run down the field uh, and cover punts and field goals, cover punts and, and things of that nature, but he had yeah. no business being in that trade at all. And that plays into a great quote that you learned in the locker room about the great white hope of linebackers that Eric Mangini brought in. Yeah, so J- Jason was an uh, incredible story to go from Ohio Northern to a long NFL career. I mean, he he wasn't just around right. three or four years. Uh, he played for the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Browns, right? I don't even have the right. reference page in front of me. But um, so a couple things that happened in that purge of 09 is all what happens if you follow the Browns every other year is the previous regime's guys go. And in most cases, you haven't missed much, but – about two years after this, uh, I'm at Fox, and they send me out to Indy to cover a Colts-Cowboys game. And uh, it was because the Colts were with Peyton Manning were humming, and they were closing in on home field advantage. The Cowboys had just fired their coach. Um, the season was going nowhere. And it was one of those things that happens in the NFL. Boom, out of nowhere, the Colts train is derailed, and the Cowboys win. So I go in, and I know I've told this before, but it's still good. It's still so freaking good. I'm laughing before I even say it. So I go in the Cowboys locker room afterwards to do the interviews. And I see Martin Rucker, Brown's draft pick in 08, who I know pretty well. And he's like, what are you doing? He he didn't know that I no longer worked for the Browns, obviously. And so we start talking. And uh, Leon Williams had just been picked up by the Cowboys. Leon, who's, uh, you know, had a decent run in the NFL and we feel like has been made much very famous by this podcast in his Jerusalem quote. But uh, <laughs> Ruck is like yelling, Leon, Leon, like pointing at me. And Leon's like thinking that he recognizes me, but, you know, isn't completely sure. And he's like, you know, that's Zach from the Browns. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, why don't you work for the Browns anymore? And I'm like, well, I, I left, you know, X amount of months ago. I got another job. And Leon looks at me dead in the face and goes, oh, well, we know Mangini only wants white linebackers, so I guess everybody else gets fired. (laughs) 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 And just to hear him say it dead serious. (laughs) Uh, And this goes back to my whole point. You need culture of some type in the NFL. Eric Mangini didn't win shit in Cleveland. But he brought a culture of white linebackers. When Zach Jackson showed up in the locker room all the way in Dallas, the first thing they thought was, shit, where's the other white linebackers? (laughs) (laughs) You need a culture, people. (laughs) All right, so listen up. Listen up. (laughs) Go to the ball yard this weekend. We know you're not busy. Uh, moderate uh, Monday as you drink and enjoy the Browns. Uh, and next yeah. Sunday, and, and we'll be back with, with more podcasts. We'll be back. We'll talk next week. But uh, next hey, Sunday hey, hey, one is quick going to be a day one quick thing. like no other in Cleveland. And if the Browns win on it's Monday, probably- and I fully expect them to, I do. I, I, I think, and it's not just Sam Darnold being out. I think you're going to see a renewed effort. Um, when I talked about Humble Pie, I know we've done a lot of glory days here, and that's fine. I'm going to tell one of my all-time Humble Pie stories we get out of here, Dre, so. 
This All right, is... let me get one thing before one okay. thing before we get to that. Go ahead. Um, can we make a rule? And we've tried to make this already in moderation. I know you paid a lot of money to go to the games. I know that you you got culture, and you got drunk better than anybody else in, in the Muni lot and all that shit. I am getting so frustrated that assholes think that when a guy jumps into the dog pound, it okays you to throw beer upon them. That's not how it works. If I throw beer on you at any point in time in life, at any bar, any place, I don't give a shit if I'm in your garage. I don't give a shit if I'm in the driveway. I don't care if we're at the same bar. If I throw beer on somebody, I expect to get the shit smacked out of me or punched. Just natural. You throw beer on me, I'm smacking the shit out of you. I'm putting that, that that's my culture, okay? The culture I came from, you throw beer on me, I'm going to fuck you up. That's just, I'm sorry for all the jobs I have. They got a problem. You can send me to, you can send me to some sensitivity training or whatever, but that's just how I was raised. Just because a player jumps into the dog pound does not give the right to throw beer upon them. Now in saying all of that, like, it's just like, stop doing that shit. It's immature. I'm saying all that. Cleveland Browns organization. This is your friend Andre now. Lay low on trying to figure out who Chris Smith is or the bearded guy is. You've embarrassed yourself this week by not being able to find out who it is. You've accused people that weren't even in the seats about the whole beer throwing incident. Is it embarrassing? Do we need to stop doing it? As, as a, Yes. Stop doing that shit. Whether they're winning or losing, stop throwing fucking beer on people. That shit is expensive, number one. And y'all ain't got enough money to just be throwing that shit in the air the way y'all throwing it in the air. But Browns, let's, let's have a better investigation next time when it comes to figuring this out. And I don't even know if Zach agrees with me, but I'm trying to tell y'all folks, stop fucking throwing beer on professional athletes because you would not do it in your normal everyday life if you were just at your local hub just hanging out. You wouldn't do that shit. And most, like, so stop doing that shit. Even if they jump in there. You know what? You can't pay to see them play. So if they want to jump up there, this is my opinion. If they want to jump up there, let them jump up there and, and hurt a hamstring or pull something. I've seen guys do that before. Stop throwing beer on fucking people unless you want your ass kicked. Because what's going to happen, one of you motherfuckers is going to throw beer on somebody, and he's going to take his helmet off and beat the shit out of you, and everybody's going to feel bad for you, except me. Then you'll learn. Stop throwing beer on people. Drink that shit. It's expensive. You can't afford it anyway. <laughs> All right, so this is about six, seven years ago. <laughs> you ain't got nothing to say? You think, wait, you think it's okay? Wait, yes or no? You no, think it's I okay think if it's a guy not okay. Now, I think Logan Ryan loses his his right to completely play the victim when he jumps in. However, but why? He, you still can't throw shit on no, people. No, I know, back. right? You still can't. <laughs> you still can't. I, I guess what I'm saying like, is it's completely wrong. It's inexcusable, and the guy, whoever it was, should be banned. However, I don't need 20 tweets from Logan Ryan. Boom. No. About no. it. That's Logan Ryan, if you're willing to jump, Logan Ryan, if you look, if you're willing to jump up in there, you know the circumstances. But as people, can't we be better as people? That's all I'm saying. Zach. Right? No, everybody's got to be better of... as people on both sides of that fence, literal, literal fence. Right. 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 Now, yes. but but Logan Ryan, I've heard people that I respect say, "Well, when he jumped up into the stands, who gives a shit if he jumped up in the stands? He was celebrating. That doesn't give you a right to throw something on somebody." All right, we'll get a shot like, here on this. Well, like, so. I, just, I, just hate the, I just hate the mindset we have as people sometimes, Zach. That's all. Like, the mindset that it's just, well, he jumped into the dog pound. I know. Well, so what? That doesn't mean you get to be stupid because he was stupid. It's, it's yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people lose their minds. They get near that stadium and lose their minds, right? Some that work there. No doubt. Some that attend there. 
We've seen the shit for years, right? There's no other way to say it's, it. It's a culture. It's a culture, baby. Culture, it's a culture. culture, baby. All right. So six, seven years ago, uh, I'm coming home from another assignment from Fox, and I'm not going to name any names on this story. I'm, I'm just not. But this was your typical story of heralded high school athlete recruited um, for the highlights that made its way around YouTube. You know, for some of the people he was around um, going to huge university and that that's so big that, you know, people get excited. And in reality, the kid was maybe not as good um, as was advertised to be, but he certainly was not mature. He got to X university. Um, it's a tale as old as time. He struggled academically. He, for the first time in his life, he wasn't playing. That probably led to his academic struggles and his confidence issues. And so next thing you know, he's ineligible. And then the next year they've recruited over him and it's time for him to move on. So, Fast forward like two or two or so years from that, um, he's he's at a smaller program. He's doing well. Uh, he's willing to talk about, uh, ho- hoping to help other kids about the, the mistakes that he made. Completely owning it. You know, I didn't get the grades. I got down on myself. I didn't work hard in practice. I pouted rather than taking the challenge of of not being a star for the first time in my life. So we're sitting here and having this great interview. This kid who's 21 or 22 now talking about how dumb he was at 17 and 18, how he had the world by the balls and he let it go, all of these things. And I get to a point in the interview and I say, so in retrospect, you would say that some, that some humble pie probably served you well. And this kid looks at me dead serious and goes, well, me and my dad like cornbread better, but yeah, I would say that pie was good too. I fucking will never forget that as long as I'm <laughs> Well, let's hope the let's hope the Browns don't like don't like cornbread more than they like humble pie. Have your oh cornbread. Have your whiskey. Get on AmericanFireworks.com. Enjoy the games, people. We'll talk to you next time. I'm crying. Oh, can you see what humble pie? <laughs>